All right, good morning, church. I probably should have been focusing on singing in our worship time a little more, but I couldn't help but think I must not be threatening enough. Because last week I said, we have this many people, you all have to show up again. And I must not be mean enough, but no, that's not the point. We've got lots of people online, we've got lots of people traveling, and I know for a fact we've got some in our congregation that could use our prayers. So it was super nice last week to have this place packed up, but I wasn't threatening enough. No, actually there's people traveling and that could use our prayers, and there's lots online, so thank you guys for being there. Well, this is the last of my new series. I've, been, I've really liked this opportunity here in January with the new year uh, to give messages that talk about the newness, newness we have as Christians. And the very first sermon I gave, if you recall, uh, the first Sunday of, in January, the first Sunday of 2021, I talked about our new creations, how we are new creations, and how when we accept that gift that God has freely given us, He chose us, and we take it, and we become completely new. And because we're new creations, then we become, we have this new purpose to live our lives. We have new reasons now. We don't need to check all the boxes of this world because we're focused on living for God, serving God and becoming like Christ. And then that led right into last week's sermon that I talked about, our new life. How when we are new creations with a new purpose, our life starts to look a little different. We don't um, live lives exactly the same anymore. We're changed from the inside, and that comes to the outside. All of that builds up to this last one. And this last one is so, so special. Because we're new creations living a whole new life, and the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons we do that is for our new outcome. Because if you didn't know, we have a new outcome. And it's pretty awesome. And I don't want to make it too straightforward, but we have Heaven at the end of this life. When you're a new creation, you get to look forward to that new outcome. And it's heaven. It's heaven. So, if you're a Christian, I think it's pretty safe to say one of the biggest reasons that you're a Christian is because you're excited for that new outcome. You want eternity in heaven. And if you're not a Christian, right now is an awesome time for you to hear and learn what it could be like in eternity in heaven because that new outcome is awesome. That's the best way to say it. So this morning, the first scripture I want to go to is one that we re- I referred to at the very first sermon of this year. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. If you want to read along with me, that'd be great. If not, we did already read it once this month. So if you can remember it, you, you can recite it back to me. You don't have to read, okay? But Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7 and the reason I want, to, I want to read this is to recap why we are new creations. Because part of the new outcome is in the new creation part. So let's read this here together, these seven verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I'm out of the ESV. It says, And you were dead in trespass and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desire of our own body and mind, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because with great love he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. It's by grace that you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So I wanted to read this verse again because this scripture outlines our hope. It outlines where we were and then what our hope is when we look at being a new creation with a new outcome. As Christians, we have something greater than death. Something greater than death. It talks about how we were dead in our trespasses to sin. But because of God's love, he showed us grace that we might have something greater than death. Now, I say that, and I thought it was so funny when I was, we say that all the time. We say, you know what? Uh, after this life, I'm not going to be a dead. I'm going to be alive, and we're not going to have death. Do you know how weird that is? That's super weird. Um, I remember Kim telling me they're not here today, but when I talked about new creation, I read this scripture, and Desmond said, how can we be dead and alive. That doesn't make any sense. And then I was thinking about that. That's been off my mind for weeks. Let's talk about that for a minute, because that's super weird. It's not normal to say, we're going to be alive after we're dead. It just doesn't work. We know that death exists, right? So what we're actually trying to say is that after death, we will have life. Well, that also sounds pretty strange, but it's confusing, but let's talk about it. Because we talk about it usually in the church like it's no big deal. But it's the greatest deal ever is that life after our death. Hope I don't have to humble some of you guys, but first I want to remind you, Christians, non-Christians, we're all going to die. Five, statistics say five out of five people die. It's actually probably more like 4.999999. There was a couple people, right? that didn't fit into that. But five out of five people die. Christians, non-Christians alike. That is not news to us. At least I hope it's not, okay? But we know where it comes from. The first uh, book of the Bible, third chapter, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. We can read about where death comes from. Just one verse here, it's after the fall of Adam and Eve, as we like to call it, but the fruit has been taken off of the tree that was forbidden, and sin has entered into the world. Now, here's the consequences. And there's a list of consequences, and this is towards the end. <clears throat> verse 19 of Genesis 3. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I don't know if you've ever thought of it before, but the first couple chapters of Genesis, there was no plan for man to ever die. He came from dust, but the promise to dust you shall return didn't have to be there yet. Sin hadn't entered the world. You didn't have all of this laborious work and pain and death. So from Genesis chapter 3 forward, the truth is there. Humans die. Humans will die. Humans go back to dust. Dust you shall return, as Genesis puts it. Jesus himself 
shared about how everything on earth will fade away. And the human body is no exception to that. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about where we should store our treasures. But it applies here as well, right? All will pass away. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, if you want to open your Bibles there, read along. Jesus himself said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said that everything on this earth will fade away. He gave us good pictures, right? Moths will come in and eat up. Thieves will come in and steal and destroy. And I'm going to add to it here. Your human body, it'll die. Nothing on this earth can you store your treasures in. Not even yourself. Not even your own body. Because everything on this earth is temporary. But instead... We have to focus on putting our treasures in heaven. That's what Christ was talking about here in chapter 6. Instead of focusing on this world, we're free of that because we can now focus on the outcome, the eternity, the heaven. Because even though we're going to die on this earth, we will live continually in heaven. That's laying our treasures in heaven. So the main difference for Christians and non-Christians or those followers of Christ is when you die, you're either dead or you're alive after. And that's the part that we kind of gloss over so easily, but we have hope after death. We don't just go in the ground and be dead forever, but instead we know we get to go to heaven. We can read about that hope in 1 Thessalonians. I invite you to grab your Bibles. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I think we read this scripture back in the end of August. I talked about heaven some then as well, but when we're focusing our perspective on death, this is some of the greatest scripture. If you ever need hope about someone who's died, who loved God, this is a great place to go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. All right, read it along with me. I'm going to be in the ESV. Paul writes, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those that have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds and to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encouraging words for those who know Christ. After death, we get to go up and meet Christ in the air and be with him for, and always be with the Lord is how my version said it. So let me recap. Humans are going to die. 
Got that one? Okay. Humans are going to die. But if we're new creations, we're followers of Jesus, we have heaven after we die. Here in 1 Thessalonians, it's a very <clears throat> descriptive passage about what that time is going to look like when we transition from dead or on the earth to being in eternity with heaven, in heaven with Christ. When Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then the alive will meet him in the sky. It's a pretty creative and imaginative and powerful description of what heaven, the beginning of heaven will start to look like. They'll be caught up with him, and then my version said, and they will be with the Lord always. Always has no end. Always with the Lord. And we talk about, you know, life after death or heaven like it's just normal. But if you think it's just normal, read that again, because that was kind of crazy. That was very, very crazy to see that that's what the end of our life will be like. It's impossible. We could never do that. We can never say, you know what, after I die, I'm going to get up out of the grave and start floating in the sky. All of my willpower, I think I can do that. No, you can never do that. That has to be of God. That has to be completely from Him. Um, nothing in your own will or anything in this world could you actually do that. You could never be alive after being dead, right? Right? And Jesus talked about it just a few chapters past where we were in Matthew a bit ago. Matthew 19, uh, two verses here, or 24 through 26. So a few verses here. It says, Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then could be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We love to take that last line and apply it to everything, um, from sports teams to uh, social studies tests and beyond, right? But read this whole story again. Think about it with me for a second. Jesus is talking about who can get to heaven. And he drops this bombshell and he says, no one can. The rich man, it's easier for the rich man to go through, take a camel and put it through the eye of a needle, the smallest hole you can possibly think of. It's easier to do that than for the rich man to go to heaven. Now we could stop here and miss the point and say, well, you better give Harold all your money. That's not the point. The point is, no matter how much power and status and everything you have done on this earth to do everything you can the best, it'll never get you to heaven. You can save all your money, you can have the greatest business, and it's going to be hard for you to get to heaven. Impossible is how Jesus says it. Because nothing man can do will get you to heaven. But then the end, let's read that again. Jesus looked at them and said, after they were like, what are we supposed to do? He said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's completely impossible for man, but with God, all things are possible. The rich man could not buy a ticket to heaven. The accomplished person, the spiritual person, you cannot buy a ticket to heaven. It's only through God that it's possible. The new outcome only comes from Jesus. 
Nothing you can physically do to get life after death. It has to be God's. It has to be Jesus that does it for you. So our new outcome, talking about heaven, life after death, how is it possible? It's not. That's the beauty of it. It's not possible. So it's too bad that Desmond's not here for me to say it's impossible to be alive after death. But to God, all things are possible. Not to man. Not to man. And then we get to go up and meet him in the sky, and that's just such an amazing picture. And the imagery we have in 1 Thessalonians, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Did you catch the <laughs> what's going to happen? It's, it's a whole event. There's a movie here. Uh, we already read it, but the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command. I don't know what that'll look like. Maybe Jesus says, I'm here, right? And then with the voice of an archangel and the sound of a trumpet of God, all the dead who are in Christ will rise first. Wait a minute. There'll be a shout and an archangel and a trumpet sound, and then the zombies are going to get up. Well, did I read that wrong? The dead in Christ will rise. They're dead. I don't know how that's going to look. I have absolutely no idea. I know that bodies decay in the grave. So is it the physical body or is it uh, the spirit? I don't know. I'm not God. I really wish. That's one of those things I'll ask him. When I get there, I'll ask him, right? And then those of us who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will always be with the Lord. Man, that is a crazy imagery. The zombies and then the living ones, and we're all just floating around up there, whether we're our bodies or our spirits, I don't know. And then we just go. We're with the Lord forever. It's pretty crazy. Again, we talk about life after death like it's just normal. But this is incredible. It's crazy. So I have no idea what that will exactly look like. Did you catch that? Because I don't know if there'll be zombies. I have no idea what that means. But I, I know that this is what will happen. I don't know exactly how it'll look like, but we will get to go from this physical life where we're guaranteed death to a life in heaven with the Lord forever. And what's awesome is it's not just this spiritual realm of loosey-goosey nothingness. It's a place. We go to heaven. We go to a physical new life. <clears throat> Revelation Chapter 21, five verses here. And Revelation can be open to a lot of interpretation, but let's read these ones together. Uh, five verses in the beginning of chapter one and just think about it. It's the end of your Bible, back a few pages. Second to last chapter of your Bible. Five verses at the beginning of chapter 21 in Revelation. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And behold, <clears throat> I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is now with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be there with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. He also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Why did I read that scripture out of Revelation? Well, it's to say this. Our new outcome is a promised new life. It's not just a place of nothingness, but it's not just spiritual, but it's also physical. All things are made new. Revelation uh, says it's like a new Jerusalem. And I think that's a good terminology because Jerusalem in scriptures is one of the greatest cities. One of the greatest cities, God's city, right? So it'll be new, greater than Jerusalem was on this earth. Sounds pretty great. It'll also be a physical place and the dwelling place of God. We read how he was on the throne and meeting people. But not just anyone gets to go in. His people will be with him in the newness. The old earth has passed away, and we all get there as new creations. And here's the best part. Did you hear what there isn't any anymore? Any of? There's no fear. There's no death. There's no mourning or crying or pain or anything that is unrighteous. It's all glorious. Everything that is there is all glorious. Even our physical bodies. Raise your hand if you're tired of your physical body sometime. I broke my toe last week, and that's a weird experience. Don't do that. But I don't want to do that. And thankfully, when we get to heaven... We don't have to deal with those old bodies anymore. Philippians 3, uh, verse 20 and 21, talking about our citizenship in heaven says, our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. It's a little weird wording here, but let's talk about it as in English, an American. He will take our lowly body, our crumpled, fallen apart, broken toe body, and he will instead make it like his glorious body. We'll be like God and Jesus when we're up there. Again, I can't tell you what that's going to look like. But it sure sounds better than everything we got to deal with here. Because after death, Our outcome is so glorious that our bodies are now beautiful. They're glorious bodies instead of these ones that are falling apart or if you're one of the ones that are dead, the ones that have decayed. Now you get to have this new body. After after death, we have a new outcome that's promised. It's promised to us. Jesus said it himself. I just want to give this one more verse. John 11, 25, 26. Jesus says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. See, that verse is not a contradictory, even though if we didn't know anything, it would be weird, right? Because it's crazy. He will die. Whoever believes in me, he will die, but he shall live because he shall never die. Because after we die here, we get to go and be glorious new creations with new bodies in a place with no fears, no tears, 
heaven. Heaven is a glorious place. So as Jesus said right here, whoever believes in him, though they die, they shall live forever. Live forever in eternity. And it comes right back to that believing part. We talked about how we are new creations. And the first step to being a new creation is believing. No doubt. You have to believe that Jesus was alive and that he is your savior. And then how I like to look at it is he's going to extend his hand to you and you grab it. That's what believing is. All right, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be yours. What's that look like? Well, it looks like becoming a new creation. It looks like accepting Jesus and saying, all right, I want to follow you. Let me be baptized. Wash these sins away. Then what's it look like? Well, now I have a new purpose. Then I have a new life. And finally, we'll get to have the new outcome. They all tie together. And we all get to be surrounded by the others. Is that excited? Are you guys excited for that? If you're a Christian and you know fellow Christians, you get to spend your eternity with them. And you won't get, have to deal with all the stuff you don't like. There'll be no fears or frustrations or tears. So all of you will be perfect up there, just like me. Which will be so nice. Man, I tell you what. So nice not to deal with myself sometimes. Our new outcome is very awesome. It's very glorious. And I cannot wait for the day. But until then, we have a new life to live because we have a new purpose because we're new creations. Thank you, guys.